Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is day. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. Welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. Well, folks, he's back for more, this time with a brand new ball and chain, bringing the funny to you from Macon, Georgia. It's Patrick Cunningham! Yay! Yay! It's so good to be back! (laughs) How you doing, man? Man, I am fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned it in your intro. Let's dive right in Be, from your last appearance to now. You're a married man now. I got married. Yeah, I got <laughs> married. Actually, fun fact, Congratulations. fun fact for fans of the show, because this is a, basically the part of the Klingon marriage ceremony from like the Jadzia Wharf wedding. Yeah, yeah. Was in my wedding. It literally, oh. our officiant, Dual Aldridge, uh, literally, he, he said something like, uh, there is no great, there is no greater, because it wasn't a full Klingon wedding ceremony, but it's like, there's no greater, oh, the declaration of intent, he goes, so he goes, Patrick, son of Sharon, does your heart beat only for this woman? And like, does the whole thing. Oh. And then does it, Rachel, daughter of Nancy, and does the whole thing. And then the entire, this, all these people at the wedding, then he's like, and the t- and he did the whole the the beating of they killed all the gods and no one could stand before stand against the beating of two Klingon arts. Nice. We basically low key had a Klingon wedding and it was a lot of fun. It was so good, dude. Um, so that fabulous, is so but, cool. You know what are you gonna do? We're on budget. <laughs> Man, that is so awesome. And I I you know I've only talked with your uh, with your lovely wife for. Uh, just a few minutes but she, she always seems... sets me up because i'm bad at technology <laughs> uh but she seems so cool dude uh congratulations uh Thank you. I, gosh uh you know does it does it feel different a month in yes and no it, it it feels like here's the thing right we spent so much time building to this right that it's sort of like it's sort of like the end of like a big event like 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 in comic books that happens a lot you know yeah. what i mean when it's done you're like okay what now but you already know it's still going to be great because you like all the characters involved yeah that's that's kind of what it's like it's pretty awesome uh we are majorly in debt but we're gonna get out of it it's (laughs) but we paid for a wedding ourselves and it was a wedding wedding like we paid for a wedding that's awesome and we went on a honeymoon where'd you go grown-ups we sure did where'd you go uh we went to the bahamas and Costa Maya, Mexico, and nice. Cozumel, Mexico. Nice. I, yeah. I've, I've wanted to go there. We, um, we, uh, it's yeah. The first, the first hurdle to get over is paying for that wedding, man. <laughs> man, we're we're gonna be paying it off for at least a year. But we're we are really good. She is really good at basically. We have a great setup. I just hand her all of my money, and she just pays 
You just described me and my wife, man. Yeah, man. There's a re- there's there's multiple reasons I made her executive producer of this show. There it is. Oh, look, I am. Yeah, same, same, man. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. it's uh, you know, you find you find that one, you find that one, and you know, there's there's been times there were there's been a time recently where I was describing you know my wife and our relationship to each other. And they're like, Oh, how long have you been married? I'm like almost 14 years. And they're like, are you serious? You were talking about her Like it happened six months ago. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. She revs my engine. What, what can I tell you? Like, she's that's, awesome. That's so good, man. Yeah. She's <laughs> keeping you at warp 9.5, man. Bingo. That's just efficient. <laughs> I, I love it, man. That's, that's my goal. That's my goal. Uh, honestly, I married my best friend. Uh, I love her so much. That is such. Isn't it the best? That is such a big deal. People are just like, uh, you know, oh, I'm, you know, she's super hot. Give it time. Or, you know, we got, you know, we're, you know, financially stable. Give it time. Yeah. But when you marry your best friend. (laughs) Yeah. That never goes away. Yeah. 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 You're always excited to just do life with that person. And when someone. You know what I mean? It's, oh, I'm so excited. I'm excited about every moment I'm with my wife. It's so good. Yeah. I, there's, there's times where, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's times where it's, you know, I, I've either I'm here working late on the show or she's working late or something like that. And both of us are just scrambling just so we can crawl into bed with each other. It's just like, it's so sweet. let's just, let's just, can we call it a day yet? Can we, can we go to bed? <laughs> or you know or you know what let's just go sit on the couch oh what do you want to watch i don't care i just want to sit on the couch watch youtube videos is the most romantic thing you could say let's just watch youtube videos yeah there's there's times where um she and i will i mean her office is on the next side of this wall is on the other side of this wall nice but every now and then we will communicate through funny tiktok videos and gifs uh, just back and forth just all that's true that's my wife's love, love language wait yeah. a second are we married to the same person what's going on <laughs> I, I, zoom might have broken through to you know some other dimension where oh. it's like there's an alternate reality here <laughs> oh man oh so uh you know i imagine we talked a little bit last time that you were on that um star trek is your safe place you know it really you, is man yeah when you when you're having a bad day it's great to just kind of sit and sort of mentally spiritually emotionally beam yourself onto the enterprise yeah. and and let go for a few minutes but Dude, uh and it's every version of star trek sorry yeah. i made to cut you off no 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 it's uh, you know, I imagine with your extensive military background, which thank you for sharing that last time you were on. We won't dive into that again because sure. oh, we covered it just recently. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I've had some blue collar jobs and, you know, in law enforcement and stuff like that. And I'm sure you yeah. got a little bit of this uh, when uh, you were going through uh, training and probably in service. There's an idea of like learning by mistakes and even if you ask questions, they're not going to be answered specifically so that you make mistakes and yes. learn that way. I hate learning that way. Oh, man. <laughs> like, I can follow directions. Just tell me what I need to do. I'll do it. Um, not to say that learning the hard way is a bad way to learn, but they yes. call it the hard way for a reason. Yeah. And, and depending on the type of job you have, military 
law enforcement yeah. or building somebody's house or something yeah. like that. Like safety could be an issue. You might want to tell me things that I need to know. Exactly. How do you feel about the asking questions versus like not letting people know what's going on? Like, how do you feel about that particular learning structure? You know, okay. So I'm like a really hands-on learner generally. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. But so, uh, one of the one of my jobs when I was in the military, the cushiest job I had in the military was when I was a colonel's driver, right? Ooh. And uh, yeah, when I was in Germany, it was awesome. I got to be a colonel's driver in Germany. That was dope. I got to just drive a colonel around on the autobahn. That's awesome. awesome. <laughs> uh, it was really cool. Nice. Uh, and sometimes, even though you're the colonel's driver, the sergeant major has his own driver. Sometimes I'm driving the sergeant major. Sometimes the sergeant major driver's driving the colonel. We just help each other out. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and the sergeant, my sergeant major in Germany gave me, it told me a term I had never heard before, and he called it failing upwards. Yep. <laughs> and he was telling me about like, because I was telling him like, oh, you know, I was I was struggling about getting promoted and stuff. And oh, he goes, hey, don't worry about that. It'll all happen. You'll fail upwards. And I was like, well, I don't understand. I've never had an Article 15. It was an Article 15 in the military. It's like a like disciplinary action. Right. I was like, I've never had an Article 15. He's like, I've had three. <laughs> I was like, you've had three Article 15s? He's like, yeah. I was like, what'd you do? He was like, I punched my star major. Don't punch me. I was like, okay, I'm not going to punch you. Uh, but like, I, you learn so much just by making mistakes. Honestly, one thing I really like about the military, which I wish would happen more, it's that I wish this could translate over, okay? Mm. Whenever you make a mistake as a soldier, some guy just comes and tells you to do push-ups and it hurts, but it also builds you up and it makes you better. And you also learn not to make that mistake again. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way. I to go. wish that every time I like, I don't know, like I put something off until the last minute or like, uh, you know, I, I forget about something important or like whatever. I wish somebody could just come out of my closet. Like, like Arlie Ermy would just pop out of my closet and be like, you <laughs> push. Like, all right. <laughs> You got I just it. This hell, man. <laughs> See, yeah. I'm the same kind of learner. I, I hope that kind of answers the question as the best I could. But like, yeah, I, my experience was very uh, was uh, pretty different. Uh, I, before I got into law enforcement, I was uh, swinging a hammer with uh, you know a small uh, Windows installation crew, Ooh. and I'm not super. I'm not super handy, but like I said. Mm -hmm. I can follow directions, sure. but when we're, you know, putting homes together for people, or we are quite literally building somebody's office building or something like yeah. that, you might want to tell me the things that I need to know because I don't know that stuff and mm -hmm. they've paid us a lot of money to do it once. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't really serve us or our customer for you to just wait for me to do it wrong. <laughs> like we're yeah. on a timetable here with law enforcement. Uh, I got a little bit of that where it was, uh, we're just going to toss you into the deep end and see if you sink or swim. Yeah. Like, you realize I've, I've, I've got a live weapon on my hip and these yeah. people actively don't like me. Like you might want to, you might, you might want to give me some tips here before I step into the wild. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, luckily with law enforcement, I had my training from uh, the detention center. I, yeah. I had my corrections training. So I knew how to deal with people without weapons, yeah. which, was, which was fine. And if you can handle that, that's great. 
But, you know, once you get out on the road, it gets a little more complicated. You're having to drive at high speed. You, like I said, you've got live weapons. And I'm sure you dealt with a little bit of that in the military as well. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, when, you, when you're specifically given instructions to ask questions like Spock is here, yeah. it's, it's, it, it'll throw you for a second. But not him. He starts firing off questions. <laughs> he got right into it. And that's one of the things. See, that's the thing. That's the reason I brought up being a colonel's driver. Yeah. Because when you're a colonel's driver, you end up in a position where, like, when you're in a battalion, the colonel, like, you got to think there's so many levels of chain to command between yeah. you and the colonel. Yeah. If you're a soldier in a unit, that means you have your squad leader and then your platoon sergeant and then your platoon leader and then your first sergeant, then your company commander and then the sergeant major and then the battalion commander. There's like a lot of steps between you. Oh yeah. But when you're driving from from uh from Dexheim, Germany to Grafenbeer, Germany, and it's a six-hour drive, and you're just sitting alone with your colonel. Yeah. And they're literally like, you know, they're asking you questions. It's the same thing, but the, and, and and here's the thing: you always are afraid to ask the wrong ones, and that's one thing about this episode I love so much. <laughs> Spock asks as much as he annoys her. He asks the exact questions, the ex- the exact right questions, the exact right way. Yeah, yeah, and because it's freaking Spock, baby. Yeah, and it's a lot, and a lot of people forget, like, because uh, you know, number one is number one. She's she is she is the first she officer. Is, yeah, she's the first officer, and a lot of people forget. Oh, this is Ensign Spock, and uh, you know, he he goes, he goes, he runs the gamut. Of yeah, all the he's different not questions. even an LT man. No, yeah, he's an ensign, and and he gets to do you like eggplant? Like, <laughs> like man. everything under the sun. I made a note about that. I I had to keep myself from chuckling. I I chuckled a little because of the modern use of the eggplant. Yeah, the modern use of the eggplant <laughs> emoji, and then it's Rebecca Romain, and I don't want to objectify Rebecca Romain. She's number one. By the way. Greatest transition from being a model to an actor ever, ever. Yeah, yeah she's I agree. so good. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> if you would like, like, if 20, 30 years ago, someone had been like, Cindy Crawford's going to be a really good actor on Star Trek, I would have laughed at you. <laughs> right? Because they yeah. were kind of on the same. Rebecca Romaine was House of Style. That was her thing. Yeah. She was a freaking model. She wasn't an actor, she was a model. Yeah. And then yeah. she was a model that kind of became an actress. And then just went full blown, like, I'm not a model. I'm an actress now. She went to Steve Martin, where Steve Martin went, I've just played the banjo now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where you question it and then you're like, oh, wow, he's really good at that. Yeah. To, to a point where so he, good. Yeah. To a point where like Steve Martin goes to different cities and people are like, oh, this is going to be hilarious. No, he's just, no, just play- playing the banjo for an just hour. Just playing bluegrass for an hour. He's only playing the banjo. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, and it's funny because as many as many questions as he fires off at at number one, they don't touch the questions, the few questions asked of the religious leader who happens to be his father. That yeah. Saru, Saru asks him of like, well, why are we worshiping them? What yeah. if it's what if it's my turn to go? 
Like yeah. what, what if, I mean, what, what would be so wrong with us studying technology? You know, what is, what makes them so better, so much better than us? Like, I love the, I love that. Wow. Really good point. I didn't think about that. The difference between that. Well, here's the thing too. Spock's got that Vulcan, that logical thinking, that right. he's thinking with pure logic. Yep. You're not questioning his faith because really their faith is based in logic. Yep. The thing is, is that with, with, in uh what do you call in in brightest star saru is hitting his father who's a faith leader with logic questions yep spock doesn't need that he needs to fill in the gaps on like he's he's asking about like hey which uh which which uh which version of uh software do you like better yeah uh for the replicators it was like what i think i think that the deepest he gets is the question about the prime directive. The prime directive question is really good. Yeah. And the, the three salient facts, because that's a hard question. The three salient facts about Captain Pike. And the best part is, is that when she answers those questions, they she set it up perfectly because all three of those questions, Anson Mount has absolutely knocked it out of the park, and that is his character. Yep. It's like she did a character study of his portrayal specifically yeah. of Captain Mike. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder how much of that, I wonder how much of the writing for Pike after this is Came like, hey, hey, look, if you need to know how to learn, if you need to know how to write Captain Pike, watch this short trek because she answers everything you need to know about his I character. really feel like that there is a whiteboard somewhere in like Alex Kurtzman's office, right? <laughs> yeah. And it says, here are three salient facts about Captain Pike and they're on the board. Yeah. And when so they're like, oh, we need a short trek. Uh, someone whip one up. And they're like, hey, let's think of questions for him to ask. And then he's like, huh, this question. What are three salient facts about Captain Mike? Here's her answer. <laughs> exactly. Like it's perfect. Oh man, it's it's a. They're both such good short tracks. Really, I don't think there's one of the short tracks I've I've not enjoyed. Yeah. Um. This is. Uh. You know what? I tell you what. Because I do have more to say about um short tracks and the structure of them and the nature of the show, the nature of short tracks in general. But we I want more. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> And we've kind of put the cart a little bit before the horse here. So before we go much further, let's get to this week's recap. Brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters, Rev J, Jerry Antimano, Cosmic Crit, Kitty B, and David Willett. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. People don't talk in elevators. I've observed that, sir. Fascinating. Which version of the OS are these ship's computers running? Do the food synthesizers use the Gupta or the Katzman glucose matrix? Have you ever considered that the Prime Directive is not only not ethical, but also illogical? Do you like eggplant? On his first day aboard the USS Enterprise, Ensign Spock and his new superior officer, number one, get trapped in a turbo lift. While waiting for the turbo lift to be repaired, Spock asks number one numerous questions, and the pair bond over their similarities. And then... What is out there beyond the skies? 
Short Tracks continues with the brightest star on December 6th on CBS All Access. On the planet Kaminar, Saru wants to learn about life outside the pre-warp society of his village, where his people are harvested as food by the predatory Bowl. Saru is able to send a distress signal into space that is answered by Lieutenant Philippa Giorgio, who takes Saru to join Starfleet. Hey folks, just wanted to take a second to let you know we here at Computer Resume Podcast are currently raising money for a family in need. This is a family Kat and I know personally, and they really need as much help as we can all give. We'll be having a benefit comedy show if you're in the Greenville, South Carolina area at Coffee Underground, December 7th. But in the meantime, please click the link in our bio on Instagram or Twitter and hit that top link for more details. Thanks everyone. Now, back to the show. So with the nature of short treks, which, you know, as expansive as the Star Trek franchise is, there's gaps. There's Mm -hmm. gaps all over the place. And I think it is such a brilliant move to say, hey, you know what? We're going to see what's in these little nooks and crannies with this Mm -hmm. little thing called short treks. Yeah. And I recall saying uh, some time ago that I really think that they should branch out to different writers and different directors, how great would it be to see a um, Guillermo del Toro directed short trek? Dude, I would, yes. <laughs> With all the creatures oh, and special you, effects that he brings the to the thing? table. Like, oh, dude. <laughs> you remember the thing that was going around a while back about Tarantino doing a Trek movie? Of course. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. I will tell you, I would love to see a Tarantino short trek yeah, absolutely. A Tarantino short trek about Klingons. Oh yeah, just a Klingon trek done by Quentin Tarantino. Like, and they can't use the N word at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that would be the. In challenge. fact, you could replace the N word with Patak every time. Just and it would work. It would work great. A Starfleet court martial written and directed by Dick Wolf. Oh my God, that would be amazing! How how yeah. cool would that be? That's great. That, that's that's crazy off. Oh, oh, Dick Wolf, man. We already talked about my deep, deep love of my second favorite science fiction franchise, the Law and Order franchise. Yeah, of course. It's my second favorite. Uh, God, it's so good. Um, I love, I I just love how they're filling in the gap. One thing I like about this episode too is where you're talking about how they're filling in the gaps here. Yeah, yeah. If she's Lieutenant Giorgio, this is probably at least, and you just got to think, Saru's worked his way up the ranks from this to where he is, where we meet him. Yes. Where he's, what, a Lieutenant Commander? He's Commander, right? Commander yeah, he, Saru. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's Commander Saru on the, um, on the, uh, the Shinzo. On the Shinzo, that's at least 10 years, right? Yeah. I think, I feel like this probably takes place, what, 10 years after the final episode of Enterprise? Maybe, maybe uh, I think they at one point there's an admiral that mentions Captain Archer's yeah. voyage a hundred years ago. A hundred so, years ago. Yeah. Um, so it would have been about 90 years before that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, because the show takes about 
85 years before that. There yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's all fuzzy. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And, and so, that kind of detail is, is for historians. Exactly. Well, so I hate to I hate to break this to you, but I've actually broken my rule about going in chronological order. Really? Because the other the other um short trek that actually is supposed to go between these two is the girl yeah the girl in africa telling the story yeah the girl uh the girl who created the stars or yes the girl who yeah that actually takes place between these two yeah the the reason i moved it to be paired with the pilot episode of discovery is because I feel that that works as a cold open Ooh. to the pilot episode of Discovery. I agree. It, I it agree. Was, it was a good tough. Call. It was a tough call. <laughs> good pick. Yeah, but, no, that's a good choice. Yeah, I th- whoever I th- is doing that episode with you, kudos to them. Kudos <laughs> to you. Great pick. Yeah, I, th- I think it's. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really. I, I don't think I've revisited uh, the Vulcan Hello yeah. since since 2017. So yeah. it's it's going to be fun to revisit that, uh, especially with a girl who made the stars as a cold open for that. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because at the time when I watched it, I watched it cold. I hadn't seen the short trek. I think we all kind of discovered the short treks on our own, most of us. Yeah, and I think one and day it, I was scrolling through and I was like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, and then I was like, "I was like, yo, there's a whole Raid Wilson episode. What?" Yep, <laughs> <laughs> and. Check the credits. Oh yeah, he directed it too. Oh, he directed it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want. I really hope we get more Harry Mud. I know he's not in either of the episodes we're talking about, but what character do I want to see come back really bad? Rain Wilson is Harry Mud. Yeah, yeah. He needs more he did, of that. He's Even such the a great tracker of New Trek. Say something about his portrayal of Mud. It's amazing. <laughs> he's yeah. so good. Yeah. He's a, he is just weird enough to play that character. Yes, yes. He's so, I mean, the the Harry Mud that we know from, uh, you know, from TOS is yeah. such a older sort of, uh, I mean, he's bigger, but yeah. like he's, he, because I feel like he's grown, like his greed has also like, uh, and his pompous attitude, he's puffed up that way uh you know like literally and metaphorically so but this is this is a younger scrappier he's arrogant like yeah like uh han solo-esque i'll say Uh, i like how this is even our episode we're already talking about that i know i was gonna say unhand me you filth (laughs) (laughs) but you know uh you know first of all um Man, man, you know, one of the great things about uh, Q&A yeah. is you take a character or two characters and, yes. put, and put them in a single room or a single setting and just let those characters interact and bloom with each other. The episode that we recorded just before this, we covered Duncan Jones' 2009 independent sci-fi directorial debut, Moon. Moon. So with, good with Sam Rockwell. Very, very good movie. Uh, not only is it amazing and brilliant science fiction, but in terms of storytelling, it is really, really great because you have this. I mean, it there's a uh, spoiler for Moon, but like there's two characters who their whole thing is playing off of each other. 
Yeah. And you get to watch quite literally the deterioration of one as witnessed by the other. Yeah. And knowing that that is his fate and uh, there, you know, putting characters in an ice it's, it is essentially what it is the definition of a bottle episode. Yeah. But letting those characters thrive in that bottle. And uh, that is such a wonderful way to approach a character study yeah. when you set it in the world of science fiction, mm-hmm. like Moon or like this, you yeah. know, where, yes, these are characters in a bottle, quite literally. They're, yeah. they're stuck in the turbo they're lift. They're stuck in the turbo lift. Yeah. But you've got number one and Spock. They've been around since the beginning of the franchise. Yes, they and have. We, and we know, we know tons about <laughs> Spock. And we've just started scratching the surface of number one. We know of the lore of number one, but we're really getting into her character in this short trek in Q&A. They do such a good job with it, too. And by the way, I've been waiting to say this. I friggin' love a t- Stuck in the Turbo Lift episode. Yeah. There's, <laughs> I don't, I tried to count out how many there are. Throughout the overarching franchise, the whole Trex franchise. So there's the one with with Picard and the children. Yep. There's the one with Odo and Loxana. Yep. Which, by the way, that might be my favorite. That is one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek. It's, it's that a, episode it's I watched one. it with my wife recently and it made us both cry. Yeah. It's such a good episode. It's really good. It's one of those moments where you're like, holy crap, Angel Barrett is such a good actress. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, and it's and, so and, and good. yeah, and and now that both of those actors are gone, it's, both of it's, them passed away. And it was like it was like, oh, I'm crying because of the episode. Oh no, both of them are dead. Uh, yeah, <laughs> cycle. We were in a cycle. We were comforting each other. And then we got married. It was great. Um, <laughs> this this episode is so interesting because of the power dynamic. Because he's this he's he's this brand new ensign, and I love. And I don't want to step on your toes if you were going to bring this up, but like, I love the fact that it starts with a smile from Spock. Yeah. And then he gets beamed onto the Enterprise. Yep. <laughs> he entered the, canonically, Spock has now, Spock entered the Enterprise with a smile. And I love that number one called him on it. Yep. Calls and, him on it. And it's, and man, it is the definition of subtle. Like, oh, it's, it's just the slightest. And, God, he is so good in the role. Ethan Peck. I was just about to Ethan say, Peck Ethan is Peck. so good. <laughs> like, I honestly, they did a really look. Here's the thing: I'm not a huge fan of like the the J.J. Abrams movies. I'm not. I'm not okay. I love New Trek. Don't like those movies. It's weird. Um, but I just hate lens flares. Um, fair enough. <laughs> but they have always been. I I think they are very protective of who plays that character. Oh yeah, there has to be like a huge. You have to be process. real good. Yeah, you have to be really good. Zachary Quinto was excellent again earlier off off of the podcast. Just when we were shooting the shooting the poop, uh, we were talking about we were talking about how uh, Hugh Jackman was was an excellent Wolverine in a lot of mediocre movies. Right, right. <laughs> excellent Wolverine in a lot of really mediocre movies. I feel. I, I I feel like no matter how anyone feels about J.J. Abrams stuff, or no matter how somebody feels about New Trek, you cannot take away how good Zachary Quinto was in those movies and how amazing, amazing Ethan Peck is as Spock. 
He's yeah. so good. Yeah. And he's killing it. And 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 like this was like this was like a a little a little aperitif, like a little uh little taste. Yeah, oh yeah. Taste. Because then he is just knocking it out the park in friggin' uh in in uh in Strange New Worlds. Yeah. I, you know, from the word go, he's he's got the he's got the look, and we've seen we've seen his character really. I mean, since he first uh showed up in Discovery, we've mm-hmm. seen him come from a very volatile place to being the the pillar of stability on the bridge mm-hmm. to becoming shaky with you know with Tapring and his relationship with uh Nurse Chapel and all of yeah. these things and 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 there's so much more yet to come you know yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, and the best part is is that it's it's they not to bring it back but they Tarantinoed it because we know it's coming we know it's coming we know it's coming we yeah. know we we, we know, want it now we, we know, get to just we know enjoy that the ride that hand is gonna go up against the glass and we're just gonna like <laughs> it's happening yeah, yeah. No, we know we know and that's I also by the way I know it's not what we're covering but I love that in lower in, in lower decks I almost said in uh, strange new worlds mm-hmm. they've canonically made it where like pike knows his knows his fate yep and i love the fact that pike knows his fate and we know his fate yeah and it's kind of a shared thing and you're we get to watch him struggle with knowing that yeah it's but, i am so excited for everything that they are doing with that show that show is i i don't i don't recall uh how much we discussed uh strange new worlds last time you were on but like that show is better than it has any reason to be. It's, it's perfect. It's such a good it's a show. perfect show. It's so good. Every episode, even I, I especially love the episode where the the, the freaking weird uh medieval, oh my God. the medieval setting, the medieval episode. Oh my yeah. god, I forget what it's called, but it's so freaking weird. It's really good. It's so that, original series. That what turned, an original series episode that was. Yeah, that turned the head of every D and D player out there of like. <laughs> I'm sorry. What Medi- medieval Star Trek? You say? I'm, I'm sorry. What, what is that? <laughs> oh man! But you know what? Speaking of uh, speaking of people who absolutely kill it, mm-hmm. um, and kill it hard, like harder than harder than anyone probably expected. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug Jones. Oh yeah, Doug Jones as Saru. Doug Jones. Doug Jones in anything, especially Saru, like. The, the guy is known for, uh, you know, he's he's super tall, super lanky, double jointed, the whole thing. He's he's a physical he's the, performer. He's the ultimate creature feature. Yes. Um, yeah. And the fact that he has been able to, with some subtle movements and. I he, love the walk. I the, love the, the walk. The Kaminar the walk. walk. So great. Can we and call it the Kaminar strut? The, yes. I don't know if anybody calls it that for real, but let's let's. We are nailing right that here. down. Trademark it now. The Kaminar strut. Kaminar yes. strut, baby. <laughs> We're gonna make it a dance. We can record a cool hip hop single called the Kaminar strut. Yes. Give one the dance. We'll get Doug Jones in the video. Oh, I am all for this. I am one hundred and fifty percent behind this. I'm right. I'm writing the song. I got a friend who does some hip hop. We're gonna make. We're writing a song called the Kaminar strut. Like, That's it. I, there's there's people out there who probably think we're joking. I'm not joking. Oh, no. I'm a- <laughs> and I know you're not either. <laughs> On top of that, too, I really, Doug Jones, and again, going back to it, too, we're being silly gooses, but, silly geese, excuse me. Um, Doug Jones also, canonically, because they have not, we have not gotten a new actor in the role, 
Doug Jones is the silver surfer. Yeah. We no, mentioned yeah. this earlier. He is such an incredibly good actor. Yeah. Also, one to mention, because I was just going off about how great Ethan Peck is as mm-hmm. Spock. Mm-hmm. You know what both those actors have in common? Awesome eyebrow acting. Yes. Oh my God. Both yes. <laughs> such good, like, like, like That's... Dwayne the Rock Johnson level eyebrow acting. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> so good. That's a good pull. So, yeah. Which I think for all of his foibles or achievements, Dwayne the Rock Johnson's number one achievement is he is the best eyebrow actor on the planet. Yes. He's a really good eyebrow actor. <laughs> I'm not that good. I have nerve damage, so I can't really do it. Oh, but I Doug Jones and Ethan Peck, they've got eyebrow acting down pat. And they both have very specific eyebrows for their specific races they're playing. Yes. And they nail it. Yes. They both nail it. Yeah. I mean, to go a little bit broader with it. Yeah. The prosthetic work, the prosthetic work in the shows now is the best it's the best in the business arguably it is the best in the business hell when enterprise was running it was literally the best in the business michael west michael westmore is a legendary creature um special effects makeup his family has its own wikipedia page for special effects makeup like they are legends he was he was he was nominated for an emmy like 30 years in a row like i mean it, it yeah so but now fact, by with the way, separate trick. fandom, he made all of the masks and prosthetics for the Wyatt family in the WWE. Yep. yep. The fiend mask <laughs> is him. That's yeah. a Michael, that's a Westmore creation. Yeah. I mean, the you know, and it doesn't stop with Star Trek. It, oh, it's everything. Yeah, it, there's tons I mean, of stuff. He's so, the Xeno, the, the, the freaking the 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 Xenobikes, the freaking uh yeah. the, the Hellraiser. Hellraiser. It's all him. Yeah, he's the man. And and we're talking about that was that was enterprise. Yeah. Now, 15 years later, 10, 10 to 15 years later, nothing. Yeah. on New Trek, it's even better. Yeah. But when you look, when you look at Saru, it's it's a it is a full it, his head is completely covered. It's and seamless. He, and he is able to get those emotions through all of that latex. And, yeah. and we care about Saru. And here's the thing, right? Okay, look, with other people who have played other, like, you know, different races and stuff, a, a great example, Michael Do- Michael Dorn and, Ar- and, and uh, Armin Shimmerman are both great examples of sure. actors that knocked it out of the park in prosthetics, right? Right. We care about Worf and we care about Quark, okay? But both of them, there, and and uh and and Rene Abajouah, I can never say his name right, but right. Oda, yeah, all those guys, you can still at least get a facsimile of their face. Yeah, Saru looks nothing like Doug Jones. Yeah, and yeah. he's still like it covers his entire face, his entire head. There's the ganglia. There's so many intricate things, and he his hands still. Axes, his, his hands. His hands are covered. He's got like cloven feet. Yeah, yeah. He, he hasn't even gotten to the boots yet. Suit, knocks it out the park. Yeah. He is in like a uh, what was the what an elegant race? What was that race called from uh, oh. TNG? The the one that friggin' uh, Mick Fleetwood played. Oh man, I know, right? Oh. Wait, here's, I'm looking here's, it up for us. Here's here's the thing. I'm actually I'm actually about to go on a Star Trek trivia game show podcast in a few weeks. 
I have a feeling this moment is going to be me the entire time on that show of me just going, ah, damn it. <laughs> Star Trek Mick Fleetwood. There it is. Uh, let's see. Dougie would say the name of the Mick Fleetwood Memory Alpha. Thank you, Memory Alpha. Shout out to Memory Alpha. Nice. Uh, let's see. Character uh, Antedian Dignitary. Okay. McFleet yeah. would play an Antedian where he's just a weird fish person. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, he's right. He's just a fish person. Yeah. It's McFleetwood from Fleetwood <laughs> Mac. Just played a fish person in a full fish costume. Yeah. Not a lot of acting coming from old McFleetwood, but uh, nope. Doug Jones knocking it out in the park. God, yeah. 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 We, you know, in addition to he, he, you also look at like how he has to maneuver his hands in the full hand prosthetics. It's very, everything he does, he's playing piano. Oh yeah. And uh, which has got to be, I mean, you know, try to scratch your nose. <laughs> you know, good luck. Um, then the boots, <laughs> mm-hmm. like he has to walk from point A to point B and then someone probably has to bring him a chair. Like, cause you can't just, you can't just stand like that forever. <laughs> he's, he's carrying around at least 60 pounds. Yeah. That 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 full thing has yeah. got to be at least sixty pounds yeah. more than he. And he's a he's a rail. He yeah. is a lanky fella. Yeah, and like and again, like the boots give him some lift, and he's and his feet. Uh, he's up on his toes, but you see, he towers over Sonequa Martin Green. He's a yes. tall man. He's taller than everybody on the cast. Yeah, because it's Doug Jones. <laughs> Doug Jones. He's already naturally tall, and then he's wearing friggin alice cooper level boots like <laughs> that just just are his hooves for sure he, that's why he walks so strange and he does again the caminar strut yeah caminar strut baby latest single it's coming it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna hit every con you go to you're never gonna be able to get away from it it's gonna be a huge crossover single well we've we it up now We've talked about uh, some of our favorite uh, folks yeah. and our favorite performers in this episode. Uh, we haven't talked so, about the episodes. Yeah, well, no, we we already talked oh. about the episodes. Yeah. But uh, to be honest, this is the first time where I feel like the name of the segment doesn't quite fit. Who do we blame? These are awesome. I, I don't know that we yeah, blame anybody. Yeah, both of them are really great. Uh, <laughs> that's, again, that's why I like, not to be negative, but like, I don't understand the people like, I hate new Trek. I'm like, I don't like, you don't good like, things yeah you don't like fun you don't like well. good things you don't like things that are made well oh i'm sorry <laughs> well <laughs> folks for uh for q a this was, no I, man i only want to drive a pinto i don't want an audi <laughs> I, I want a car that explodes <laughs> no this car is made better drive that car exactly. get evolved past the pinto <laughs> nothing wrong with an el camino but We've just decided that the design is wrong and we're going to update it. Oh, God. That's how I feel about New Trek. It's so good. But but that new thing is ruining my childhood, Patrick. Oh, no, it's not. You can still (laughs) get an El Camino. You can still go get one used. It's used, which, God, this is such a good analogy. Anyway. Yeah. Well, you want to drive an El Camino, I'm sure you can go get one. Sure, you can go get one. You can drive it around, and you're gonna be like, "Man, this thing is not as great as I remember." And you're gonna be like, "I know, right?" Yeah, yeah. You guys really makes you want the conveniences of the Audi, doesn't it? You got, you guys got any more of that new trick? You got any more of that new trick going around? Yeah. Uh, who do we blame? Yeah, uh, I, Alex Kurtzman. Here we're gonna 
Let's just jump on the bandwagon. Yeah. Thanks, Kurtzman, you jerk. Well, folks, uh, for Q&A, Q&A was actually written by Michael Shabong. Oh, my apologies. No, well, he wrote it. I think Kurtzman is on the uh, producing side. He produces everything. It's just yeah. generally, generally, you know, it's, it's it's like the F. Rick Berman, F. Alex Kurtzman. You know there you I mean? go. <laughs> Except F. Rick Berman, not really Alex Kurtzman. Thanks, Alex Kurtzman. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> Uh, Michael Shabon's first credit was actually Wonder Boys in 2000, based on his novel. Uh, it stars Michael Douglas, Tobey Maguire, Francis McDormand, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. It's a Jr. super good movie. It's I a did really not good know movie. That. Actually, won a couple of Oscars. It won it's a very for, good movie. Uh, yeah, well, it won for best song, and it was nominated for best adaptation and best editing. So, uh, shortly after that, he would go on to a little movie called Spider Man Two in 2004. Uh, which the, he, the 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 best of that trilogy the best of that trilogy that is yes. correct yes directed by sam raimi uh michael wrote the uh story for that uh along with alfred goff and uh miles millar and with the screenplay by alvin Sargent. and then he would go on to john carter in 2012 he wrote the screenplay for that along with andrew stanton and mark andrews uh, and of course, uh, John Carter is based on the story A Princess of Mars by Edgar Rice that, Burroughs. That's a franchise that fell flat. It should have been more than one movie. Yeah. That was a good movie. Should have been another movie. I'm yeah. waiting for my next John Carter movie. Make it a series. <laughs> yes, please. That should be a Disney Plus series, right? I Yeah, I it, it was a Disney right? movie. Yeah, yeah, Disney yeah. Thing, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. John Carter of Mars. Do it, baby. Yes. Disney Plus. Get Do on it, it Disney. Uh, Michael Shabon's first appearance in uh, in the franchise is actually in Star Trek Short Treks, just not this one. It was in season one, episode two, Calypso, which... Oh, which, spoil- baby. Have we talked about Calypso? No, because Calypso, as, as, of, as, of, as of today, as of right now, Calypso will be the end of the Computer Resume podcast. Yeah, that's, that's true. The end of, that's the end of the chronology. Oh man! I know. Can I can I dibs it? Will you still like me then? Sure. Yeah. Thirty years from now, we dibs, still... are, dibs have been called. Dibs <laughs> I'll called. make a note. <laughs> Thirty years. Oh man, yo, I I watched Calypso because it's gonna be so long that it'll be dated, and they, you can quote me on it now. Calypso might be one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. It's pretty. Dumb. It is unbelievable. It is heart wrenching. Yes. It's so good, and it's. Such a it stands alone. Yeah. Well, again, take a character, isolate them, and and watch what happens. I, oh I, my god. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's there's a lot of really good there's a lot of really good narratives out there, and there's even some amazing science fiction where you take a character, isolate them, watch what happens. I just love, but I love about that episode. They're like, what if we made the ship a character? Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm so looking forward to and then we'll get back into the who do we blame. Yeah. But uh, I'm really looking forward to what else is coming with the idea that the USS Discovery has grown sentience and has a therapist, a, yes. ther- a therapist in Cronenberg, uh, right? David Cronenberg. Cronenberg is his therapist. <laughs> He's so great in it too. Like again, greater than it really should be. Like this yeah. is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, Yeah, Q&A was directed by Mark Pellington. Uh, He's he's got a really interesting uh, career. You as a music guy, if you're not familiar with Mark Pellington, he's got a butt ton of music videos. Everybody from De La Soul to U2, Pearl Jam, In Excess, Alice in Chains, Anthrax, 
Leonard Cohen. Uh, but then he would do his, uh, he would get his first directorial debut uh, with a movie called Going All the Way in 1997, starring Jeremy Davies, Ben Affleck, Rose McGowan, Rachel Weiss, And then he would go on to Arlington Road in 1999. That's a, that's Such a, a good movie. movie. It's a great movie starring Jeff Bridges, Tim Robbins, and Joan Cusack. And then, uh, yeah, three years later, he would get Mothman prophecies with uh, also Rick, a good movie, Richard Gere, Laura Linney. Absolutely. And then he would get a uh, first regular TV episode gig uh, with uh, seven episodes of Cold Case. And then he would do a few more films. Harry Pool is here. I melt with you Lone, The last word and nostalgia. And then this is his first of only two appearances in the franchise so far. So hopefully, you know, after his next one, you know, maybe he'll come back for some more stuff. Now that yeah. now that the aesthetics of New Trek are, you know, very different from TNG, I, yeah. I think I think we're going to get a little bit more visually minded directors and cinematographers. So I'm excited sure. to see the look of New Trek as that continues. I'm ready for a Cronenberg arc. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. I'm waiting for He's right there. He's right there. He's right there. <laughs> the man helped build I modern want Star science Trek fiction. To fly. That's what I want. Yes. <laughs> give it uh, to me. We've already talked about the stars, but uh, just to give you a little taste of their resume, of course, we have Rebecca Romain as number one, who started Amazing. her career. So in, good. Yeah. She started her career modeling in 1991. In fact, she was also in a music video in 1988. Blink and you'll miss it. She was in the new kids on the block. Please don't go girl as Please girl number one. Go girl. <laughs> uh, fun fact. First, uh, Pat Pat's first real concert, Giant Stadium, 1988. NKOTB, baby. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca Romain would also go on to episodes of Friends. She played Cheryl in the episode, the one with the dirty girl. That was in 1997. And she would also go on to work in Dirty Work, 1998. As the bearded lady, uh, directed by the late great Bob Saget, starring the late great Norm Macdonald. Like, can we just take a second and talk about how great Dirty Work is? And for comedy fans, what a special little place that holds in our hearts. It's amazing. And, and on our DVD shelves. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. And 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 I I honestly think that it's easy to reduce Norm mm. to his stand-up which is stellar yeah of course uh and reduce him to like his stuff like weekend update stuff like that right uh norm was like a really good actor mm -hmm. yeah he would yeah just so good yeah. really really good and that dirty work is one of those movies where he is just he's excellent yeah it's and it really and it really shows like the the very last special um that came out obviously it was the you know it was the it was the prep work he did before he recorded the special that he never got a chance to record yeah. um but hearing the legends talk about him after that special and listening to them analyze if you didn't catch it it brings all of it to the surface of like oh norm was smarter than all most people gave him credit for like I, just a, I, a brilliant writer and performer I don't agree with the con the very concept of a comedy class makes me uncomfortable. I feel like you can't really teach comedy, but yeah. if I were to teach a comedy class, mm -hmm. you could teach a whole class on joke writing with Norm Macdonald. Oh, absolutely. 
And, and I mean, and joke writing, delivery, everything about him, he's like God's perfect comic. Like, yeah. he's just like, like how to deliver a non sequitur by, by Norm MacDonald. <laughs> yeah. I oh, think, my God. Yes. <laughs> I think the, 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 the star search bit at the end of Ridiculous might be one of my favorite joke ever delivered by anybody. It just he just says hot property four times and it's funny every time. <laughs> and it shouldn't be funny, but it is. Yeah. Like, you always have a cool name. There they always like hot property. And you're like, and it, anyone, it's what see again, right now. Yeah. I'm saying it. You're laughing because you're thinking of it. Yeah. It's not funny on its own. No, no, it's not. <laughs> Norm is such an artist. Yeah. That the element of just saying something dumb like hot property. Yeah. And like, in addition to the writing, yeah, the shtick of yeah. of him just, uh, hey, like yeah. that that yeah. that gets me alone. I, just just him, uh, hey, <laughs> like, uh, hey, 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 yeah, that's enough. Yeah, and just the idea of, I mean, because we're comics, and you know, when when you when you see someone struggling, and then the light bulb clicks on, he was able. He was able to bottle that and present. Norm McDonald is Norm McDonald is like Schrodinger's comic. Yeah. He's like the best bad comic. Yes. Yes. He's like if the worst <laughs> guy at every open mic was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's really it. Yeah. It's like, it's like you could. Again, if you teach that class, you're like, you should never do anything he is doing. <laughs> Everything Norm does doesn't work for any other person. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it's not quantifiable why he's such an amazing comic, but yeah. he is an amazing comic. And also relentless, like got himself fired from Saturday Night Live relentless. Yeah. He's like, why wouldn't I make fun of OJ? I don't care if he's your friend. It's, it's, it's in the news. I'm going to make fun of him. Yeah. Literally, he was just like, I'm going to get fired and I don't care. It just makes a bad joke. Murder is now legal in the state of California. And he's fired the next day. Yep. And then what I loved is Lauren brought him back as a host. Yeah. Next yeah. season. Like, uh, anyway, sorry. We have, no, no, we have gone into the weeds. Yeah. But, so, uh, yeah. So, R.I.P. Norm McDonald. Yeah. So, and, and Bob Saget. Like, and uh, Bob you know, Saget. Who, oh, my God. God, yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, Dirty Work is one of the handful of things he he directed. I really wish, and again, another brilliant writer and performer. Amazing. Um, really wish he had gotten the chance to direct more things. Um, yeah. I, he, he actually, um, he was a big champion uh, for scleroderma research, which is a disease my mom actually passed away from. Yeah. And so he, he's, he's big, he, he's a big influence on me in terms of, comedy and performing and artistry but also his charity work means a lot to me as well but anyways to those to those two gentlemen thank you godspeed we'll see you in the green room um you know and uh yeah so dirty work if you've never seen dirty work please go check it out yeah watch and, it sorry and, and no, rebecca sorry. remains really funny in it too <laughs> yeah yeah uh so again rebecca remain uh you know after after dirty work she would get the uh, a, a very iconic role that she was known for uh, for a long, long time. Uh, she, 
Yes, yes. Raven Dark Home, aka Mystique, in Brian Singer's X-Men in 2000. Of course, she would reprise that role in 2003, 2006, and 20, 2011. Uh, very well she she does she does a great job and then uh continuing with the uh comic book motif she would also appear uh, alongside thomas jane in 2004's uh punisher and then she would voice lois lane in 2018 the death of superman and again yeah, in reign of superman yeah dc animation has always been just ah chef's last Flashpoint, in my opinion, number one. It's oh, my favorite. Yeah, it's I, animation style is weird, but the story is so good. Yeah, I, I love and Grifters in it. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. If you're <laughs> if you're a fan of some of the um, some of the Vertigo characters, like oh yeah, you got you got to give it up for that. Uh, yeah. Her first appearance in the franchise is actually Star Trek Discovery, season two, episode four, and Obol for Charon. That was in uh, twenty nineteen, uh, of course, playing number one. And then, of course, opposite her, we have Mr. Ethan Peck as Ensign Spock. Uh, his career goes back a little bit further uh, than we... I I don't think I knew him from anything else other than Star Trek. So I was. it was fun to find some of these. Uh, in 1999, he was on the Drew Carey show. Uh, he did two episodes of that 70s show playing a young Michael Kelso. So I'll have to go find that. <laughs> Spock and, played baby Kelso. Yeah, yeah. And then in uh, 2010, he was in Sorcerer's Apprentice as Andre Dunlap alongside Nick Cage. And then uh, the next year, he would do In Time as Constantine uh, alongside Justin Timberlake and Amanda Seyfried, uh, a.k.a. my wife's doppelganger. <laughs> Wait a second. He played a baby Kelso. So here's the question. Yeah. At the end of... At the end of the new season of uh, the first season of Strange New Worlds, they mentioned Cybok. Uh, have we gotten a casting announcement for Cybok? Because it should be Ashton Kutcher, right? Uh, that would I make would sense. be very okay with that. Yeah, yeah. I think Ashton Kutcher would be awesome as Cybok. You know, Ashton Kutcher gets a lot of grief for a lot of the choices he made. But, you know, first of all, very, sm- very smart guy. Yeah. Um, very savvy. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of I think a lot of people discount him and what he is capable of. That's what I'm saying, man. I, I, and that would be a fun little callback. Anyway, mm-hmm. I don't know. Ashton no, Kutcher, yeah, you're absolutely right. He played young Spock. Let's have Cybok as played by Ashton Kutcher. That would be cool. I don't uh, know, weird. In 2013, <laughs> Ethan would go on to uh, appear in Nothing Left to Fear, and then in 2016, The Curse of Sleeping Beauty, based on the comic book. So, uh, you comic book fans out there, go check that out. And then he would make his first franchise appearance in Discovery Season 2, Episode 1, Brother, in 2019, of course, playing Spock. But it was just his voice. He didn't appear till a little bit later. And then uh, Brightest Star. Brightest Star was written by Bo Yon Kim. Uh, this is a first franchise appearance uh, for Bo. Uh, her first credit is The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle from 2000 as a content as uh, working in content development. I'm not sure what that means, but uh, her first uh, Bo's first writing was all seven episodes of Click Your Heart uh, from 2016. That's a uh, mini series from South Korea. Um, then uh, Bo would get a job as the story editor on 17 episodes of Rain, which is a period drama about Mary, Queen of Scots. And that's possibly where she met Erica Lepold, who was also a story editor 
uh, for those 17 episodes on Rain, and this is Erica's first ap- franchise appearance as well. Uh, Brightest Star was directed by Douglas. I'm going to try my best here. Ar- okay, here we go. <clears throat> Arnie Nos. Uh-huh. Okay, one more time. Arnie Koski. Douglas. Arnie Koski. Arnie Koski. <laughs> you know of the of the Cape Cod Arnie Koski. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. All right, all right. All right. <laughs> Uh, Doug's first credit was uh, as second AD on two episodes of Pee Wee's Playhouse back in 1988. Were you a nice. Were you a Pee Wee's Playhouse? Oh, fan? absolutely. Yeah, I was too. Fun fact too: season one, the um, Natasha Leone. Yeah, yeah. Natasha Leone is a little kid. Is oh, in season yeah. one <laughs> among Phil Hartman and Lawrence Fishburne and oh, yeah. Charlie's mom from uh, It's Always Sunny. Yeah. <laughs> so many uh, good actors anyway yeah right. doug would go on to direct uh another movie from one of my other favorite franchises highlander endgame in 2000 and wow uh, yeah i could speak at length and probably will in the after show it sounds like you're a fan of highlander as well no, i mean i kind of i've never seen that movie never oh, oh it's it's a fun one i do uh, like highland i do like highland it's uh, i'll just say before computer resume podcast there was a plan there still is a plan to a highlander podcast for a highlander podcast structured the exact same way (laughs) i insist that you do a bad scottish accent all the time that's what i think uh you know what you might get some of that for sure (laughs) bad scottish accent uh doug would go on to do eight episodes of criminal minds available now on paramount plus uh six episodes of sleepy hollow two episodes of arrow uh season one episode 22 of the flash four episodes of limitless uh season two episode seven of timeless and this is his first franchise uh work uh so hopefully we see some more from him because this this is a good one uh and then as far as stars go we have hannah spear as sirana uh, she did seven episodes of Sexy Nerdy Girl from 2010 to 2012 and re- would reprise that role with 12 episodes of Versus Valerie. And then this is her first franchise appearance. And then as Saru's father, Aradar, we have Mr. Robert Verlock, whose first film was Dracula 2000 in back in 2000. And then he did season four, episode 14 of Warehouse 13. That episode was The Sky's the Limit. Did you ever that see that? show was cool. That was yeah. a really great show. For those cool of you who show. don't know, who don't know what Warehouse 13 was, if you've ever yeah. seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, where they are wheeling the Ark in the crate at the very end, as the credits start to roll, they're wheeling that Ark in a crate in this gigantic warehouse. Well, somebody said, gosh, I wonder what it's like to work at that warehouse. That is Warehouse 13. It is That's basically it is, what it is. Yeah. It is a great show. <laughs> yeah. And then he would also uh, appear in Jessica Jones, season one, episode eight, a.k.a. WWJD. That was in 2015. And then this is his first franchise appearance. I don't know that we're going to see any more of him. Probably if we do, it's probably not going to be as Aradar. No. Um, yeah, yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, I imagine that character is probably. Well, uh, that, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think from what we've seen in Discovery, that character is canonically dead. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think unless we get him in a flashback, I don't think we're seeing him. Exactly, uh, and then we've got uh, appearing as Lieutenant Philippa Giorgio, the lovely and talented Michelle Yeoh, whose first film was The Owl versus Bumbo 
in oh, man, that, 1984. You're going to go through the whole film, the whole Michelle Yao freaking discography. That's a lot. Bro. Listen, I, I pared this down as best I could. Do it. Do it. I want to <laughs> hear still it. still pretty lengthy. So uh, after that, in 1993, she was in Super Cop 2, where... Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of like, hey, we made another super cop, except it's a girl this time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact, on the poster, it says, and Jackie Chan as Inspector Chan. <laughs> yeah. Then we've got uh, Shaolin Popeye 2, where uh, M- Messy Temple, that was in 1994. And then she would appear 007, Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, 1997. So yeah. Uh, starring, of course, Pierce Brosnan. Jonathan Price, Terry Hatcher, Judy Dench. And then, of course, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in 2000, yeah. opposite Chow Yun Fat. That, that, that film won four Oscars cinematography, score, art direction, and foreign language, and was nominated for six other Oscars. Yeah. And totaling 98 other awards at one and 128 other nominations. Like, it's like they teach that movie in film school. It's yeah. like it's like how to make <laughs> how to make an artsy action movie. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like it is it is the definition of art and action intersecting. In, um, in fact, between that and the greatest movie ever ever made, everything everywhere all at once, um, the greatest movie ever made. Uh, stand by it. Um, she is, it's almost like she specializes in artsy action movies. Yeah. 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 She really does. Action Uh, movies with intensely good art direction. Yes. In Uh, fact, speaking of artsy, uh, artsy sci-fi movies, her, uh, next project in 2007 was sunshine. Did you ever see sunshine? No, but I've heard so much about it. I've heard really good things about it. It is so good. Basically, the sun's going out and they have Mm. to send a crew to reignite the sun and the psychological toll that that takes on people. And then stuff gets weird. Like so the the opposite of moonfall, both in substance and uh and plot. Yeah, yeah. It's uh she plays a character called Corazon. It, to be honest, like if you're a sci-fi fan but dig like the artsier, almost like independent type uh artsy sci-fi movies. I love it. Sunshine is a must. I I luckily I got to see it in the theaters and just like it blew me away. On my list. So and good, so list. good. And she would also appear in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 in 2017. Uh, and then this, of course, is, uh, well, this isn't her first franchise appearance. Her first franchise appearance was Discovery Season 1, Episode 1, the pilot episode, The Vulcan Hello as Captain Philippa Giorgio and just crushed it. Like, she's so good. And at, like every scene she's in, I am just locked on to every Both word. as Captain Giorgio and both and and Mirror and Empress Giorgio. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, both like it's like oh, the, okay, it's just gonna be same song, second verse. Like nah, no, like it's nope. like as good as she is as like Prime Universe Captain Giorgio. Like yeah, Mirror Universe. It just oh, it just cranks it up to 11 so good oh (laughs) Oh, man amazing and she is amazing yes she's amazing in everything but she is really good on this show even the small the short amount of time that she is in brightest star she's really good in it she's just really good in everything she's done yeah 
And then, of course, we've we've sung his praises at length, but of course, killing it here as our main focus uh, as Saru, Mr. Doug Jones, uh, his first film, The Newly Deads in 1988. And then he would get his first TV credit on a little show called In Living Color. Back in 1991, Doug Jones was on *In Living Color*. Yeah, like uh, again, like we're we're comics, but a lot of people might not understand how important *In Living Color* is to the world of comedy, especially oh, comedy on television. <laughs> yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, you saw you saw Jim Carrey there, of course, all the Wayans. Jim uh, Carrey, Keenan Ivory Wayans, yeah. Damon Wayans, Jamie Fox, yeah, Jamie uh, Fox. Chris God. Rock. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean everybody. Like yeah. so many amazing people. It was a came very, out of very show. important show. Um, oh, uh, um, David Allen Greer. Yeah. Tommy oh Davidson. David Allen Greer. David Allen Greer, friggin' Tommy Davidson, David Allen Co. I'm just kidding, that's a different person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> David Allen Co. was not on in Living Co. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, because uh Doug Jones has been in seemingly everything under the sun. I'm going to hit these really quick here. See if you can see if everybody can keep up. Batman Returns in 1992, Hocus Pocus in 1993, Tank Girl in 1995, Mimic in 1997, Mystery Men in 1999, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 4, Episode 10, Hush. That was in 1999 as well. Hellboy. He's Abe Sapien in 2004 and would, of course, reprise it in Hellboy 2, The Golden Army in 2008. Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, we already talked about Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro. Um, yeah. And uh, we, we're we not done talking about Guillermo del Toro. Uh, we have mentioned he is the Silver Surfer in Fantastic Four, Rise of the yeah. Silver Surfer in 2007. Legion, he plays the Ice Cream Man. In yeah. Scarier than that name would lead you to believe. Um, John dies at the end in 2012. Uh, he played Jake Simmons, a.k.a. Deathbolt, in both Arrow and Flash. 28 episodes of Falling Sky from 2013 to 2015. Crimson Peak in 2015. And uh, yeah, um, it's jumping ahead a little bit in the timeline, but The Shape of Water. The Shape of Water. The Shape Incredible. of Water. Incredible. Also, What We Do in the Shadows. He was in What We Do in the Shadows. Yes. That is the bears mentioning. Yeah. I... That might be one of my favorite shows on television. It's yeah. incredible. It's also set in Staten Island, which is my like my hometown. Of course. It's set in Staten Island. And I just love that he plays the old crotchety vampire. Like I just <laughs> love him. Like I think it's like in the first three episodes. It might be in the first episode. I think he's in the pilot. Yeah. I, like, you know, um general generally when I do these uh when I do these character resume uh, character actor resume Oh yeah. Ones, I, uh, you know, I usually do try to stick to that point to, uh, uh, to their appearance in the franchise, but Doug Jones is so good and has been in so many good things. Like he is the sci-fi, forget sci-fi genre film go-to guy like yeah but it, honestly he's the king of the creatures right yeah, now yeah i, I he mean is, like like i he said is the modern day lon cheney jr bingo yeah i could yeah couldn't have said it better you know his yes. work his work with guillermo del toro 
uh, not only in the Hellboy, uh, in Hellboy, but also Pan's Labyrinth, Pan's Labyrinth, and Shape of Water. Like he could, he could have stopped there. Like Shape of Water is such a, it's such a good movie, such a great genre of movie, but it's such a beautiful movie, and he does such a great job in it. Yeah, it's if again, like if you dig sort of the artsier independent feelings sci-fi movies and you haven't seen shape of water stop li- I, you'll never hear yeah, me what are this. you doing stop listening what, to what this episode even, right now and go, go get doing? it <laughs> and like don't rent it don't download it go buy a physical copy like buy a nice one that you put on your shelf like it's worth owning <laughs> you know what else too like just to a person who has not seen shape of water and like likes artsy movies okay if you were thinking about watching the movie Moonfall, don't watch that movie and instead <laughs> watch Shape of Water, which yeah. is a far superior movie, yeah. even though those things have nothing in common. I just right. really hate the movie Moonfall a lot. It's, <laughs> it might be the worst movie ever. It is, it's one of those movies that's so bad that it's good and then it's bad again. Oh, man, it runs it's, the full circle. <laughs> honestly... Honest Trailers loses me sometimes, but Honest Trailers kind of nailed Moonfall. Oh, boy. You I'm should watch it. it. It's literally like, <laughs> moon bad and filled with robots. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. I've probably done myself a disservice because earlier today, I watched the next film that we are covering on Cinema Shock. Oh. And that movie is Sam Raimi's Crime Wave. Oh wow! It is not good. It is. Oh no, that's not a good movie it at is all. Very, very bad. Yeah. <laughs> to say to say Bruce Campbell is the performance highlight of that movie should tell you a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh man, and, and you can tell you could tell that they wanted this to be so good and so unique, and it just falls. It's it, it is it's more cartoony. Than Jim Carrey in the mask. Oh like, yeah. It's, it's not. Yeah. I actually think that it might be the moment where like people were like, Bruce Campbell should be a leading man and an A-list actor. Then they watch this movie and they're like, Yeah, yeah we're gonna pass. <laughs> Maybe he should just be Pizza Papa. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Let's let him stay there. We love him as Pizza Papa, though. <laughs> So, uh, Patrick, uh, first of all, thank you so much for uh, carving out the time to come talk with me about this stuff. Um, But, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't ask the question that we ask every week. Is this essential viewing? If If somebody is diving into Star Trek for the first time and they are presented with these odd shorts that kind of go with episodes, but not really, uh, are these, are these short treks can't miss episodes it's a tough question because okay brightest star definitely because saru saru has one of the best character arcs in all of discovery from the beginning to the end and this is the literal beginning of his character arc this is it yeah this is his origin story this is yeah yeah you're absolutely right this is saru's origin story Mm -hmm. this short track is this short trick is basically like and here's the thing how many star trek characters do we love that we don't get you don't get uh i mean granted there's a few you get you get nog's origin story uh 
but you you don't really ever see it. You know what we get Picard's origin story? Yeah. A little bit in flashbacks and Q weirdness. Sure. Yeah. But you never see like Kirk's origin story. Mm-hmm. You don't really see Riker's origin story. You knew he knew it lived in Alaska. Yeah. He had a dad who was kind of rambling, dude. Served on the uh, Pegasus. That's about it. Something yeah. about the Pegasus. That's what I'm saying. It's a golden cot. You know, he was like, because I, I love a good villain. Uh, you know, he was active during the war and participated in some pretty bad atrocities. But we don't know anything. Like, we don't know go where the golden cot went to war college. We don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> but Saru is a character that we have watched overcome fears, overcome physical stuff, have to rebuild, have a falling out, watch his mentor die, have a falling out with one of his closest confidence, rebuild his friendship, take over his ship as a fan of character building. Essential. Yeah. Essential. Yeah. Q&A is fun. Yep. I don't think it's essential. Yeah. Yeah. As in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're talking about certain characters. Okay. You know what? I'm being very patriarchal there because for, for, for Una, for number one, essential. Because also we do, and we didn't even talk about this, and I know we're going to go here in a minute, but like when she opens up to him and shows him that vulnerable side of herself and just, I am the very model of a modern major general. And like when she goes into that, you're like, what is happening? <laughs> and then you realize, then she starts changing up the lyrics and makes it all scientific, talking about calculus. And like, you're like, holy crap, she's a nerd. Yeah. She's a big, she's, she's a, she's a theater nerd. She's a theater nerd. <laughs> she's a theater nerd. Cause, cause that is a very specific, it's not, it's not Pirates of Penzance. It's a community theater production at best. No one, <laughs> you don't, you don't know anybody. Like, like, granted, you know people go do all that jazz at karaoke. Of course, people sing five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred. Everyone knows that those are in the zeitgeist. Yes, but modern major general, or I am the very model, was the name of the song. Yes, which, is in the, which as I mentioned earlier is in the public domain. Yep. Uh, that's how old it is. That is some like, and because it's in the public domain, that's why every, like your worst year in high school theater was done doing Pirates of Penzance. Yep. <laughs> I was actually going to ask, did you ever? Did I get... ever? No. No? I, okay. I did. Th- oh, I was like a theater kid for sure. I was okay. a theater kid that became a punk and then joined the army and then had a nervous breakdown and became stand up comic. That's oh, my okay. story. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, but I did lots of community theater somehow. I, the one year that I decided to go be a camp counselor instead of doing summer theater, Pirates of Penzance didn't want to do it. Oh. You got to be in deep, deep theater. I was too cool to do Pirates of Penzance. That <laughs> says so much about number one that she just she was like and i love that i love that she goes there is a hole in your brain a hole in your memory where this once existed and then she just goes out the roof there's like zip like (laughs) right on out like spider-man you're like what an absolute badass actually taking it back yes essential viewing well you actually went a different direction for me i was going to say that uh if in terms of character development yeah for pike because of what they talk about it kind of sets the stage for oh, who's for, the boot 
yeah, for for what we're gonna watch Pike uh do throughout Ooh. this show. Because I to me, yeah, because like, of the salient facts about him. Yeah. Well, really, God, yeah, they do a really good job of subtly. This is Pike. This is this Fox, is the introduction Fox, for, for Pike. He has to also, but also for Spock. Spock in that moment decides, has to make the decision: Am I a Vulcan or am I a human? That's a good point. That's a good point. I always, lo- I was looking at him as like, oh, he's the catalyst. He's the catalyst for this. And we kind get, of, yeah. We get, we get a, pe- we get a peek behind the curtain of, of number one. Yeah. But, but it's just kind of like Spock is almost there as, as filler. But you know what? You're absolutely right. He makes the decision right there. And, and the, the decision for him to sing back to her and, and begin laugh laughing. Yeah. And he laughs with her. Yep. Because he knows that it is safe in that in elevator. That they're safe. Which, yeah. by the way, also, it's kind of like weirdly, even though chronology, it's kind of almost like a spiritual successor to that incredible episode with the, the incredible turbo lift episode we mentioned earlier with uh, with Loxana and Odo. Yeah. Because it's two people that are stiff in who they are. Yeah. And guarded, not yeah. stiff, but guarded. Yeah. They let their allowing each other to let their guards down and just be vulnerable. Pardon the pardon the pardon the pun, but let their hair down, as it were. Oh, I love it so much. Good (laughs) pun. But yeah, yeah. Well, my wife, she loves a good pun. I'm gonna tell her that she likes that episode and loves a good pun. Nice. Well, you know, to connect it further to the episode with Picard and the children, what does he do? What does he do to help them calm down? They start singing. Yeah, they all start singing. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, you know what? There's a way, there's a theme here. There's a way to do a turbo stuck in a turbo lift episode. Yep. Can't wait for the next one. I love a good stuck in a turbo lift episode. <laughs> well, uh, I think we've uh, exhausted uh, so many different aspects of, <laughs> of these of these two very short episodes. I mean, they are short tracks, but. Yeah, uh, but they're short tracks with so much substance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they really are. They really are. Both uh, essential viewing. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I think so. It, at Both least essential in, viewing. Yeah, I think definitely for brightest star. I think you're absolutely right. It is Saru's origin story. Um, yeah, we get a little bit more as Discovery goes along when you know they travel back to Kaminar and things like that, and things play out as they do. I won't spoil it for anybody, but um, yeah. but yeah, then with um with his with his journey and uh his origin story and that is I, I think it is absolutely essential and then yeah i think is it is q a essential to the overall narrative probably not but in terms of character development character or development. uh in my in my estimation pike for sure number one is a close second uh well i was gonna say number spock, one, i was gonna say spock was third but I, the I think smile and the, the smile and the singing yeah yeah i think i think Sp- I, in my mind it's All pike Spock. Well, they. I don't. Either yeah. way, arbitrary. arbitrary. Yeah, yeah. It, it's essential, essential for viewing. character development. Because to me, to me, what I love about Star Trek, aside from the hope, right? Yes. Mostly, I love how character driven it is. Mm, very much. I love it. The character mm. development. Again, all my favorite characters have great stories. Long, t- long form storytelling. Worf long form storytelling yeah. nog amazing uh, long form storytelling oh yeah uh core amazing long form storytelling gold 
amazing long form storytelling. Mm -hmm. There's so many great ones. This is right there. This fits right into that, 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 that little happy place that I like. Yeah. This is a, 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 I have watched this episode more times than I have watched some episodes of, of original series TNG. Wow. Um, Deep Space Nine and Voyager, which I have watched the most. Yeah. But because they've just been around the longest. But of course, I have the, the cool thing about short treks is they are so digestible. Yeah. Yeah. Every <laughs> once in a while, I'll have a friend over and I'll be talking at them about Star Trek, like Trekkies are wont to do. Of course. And because we want to, it's our religion, we want to indoctrinate you. And <laughs> We yeah. want to indoctrinate you. Yeah. And if I want to indoctrinate somebody, 